Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute. The goal of the show is to edify and strengthen you by having conversations about ministry, about theology, about church history, missions, uh, all of the most important and pertinent uh, topics for believers. And so we want to invite you into that conversation. A lot of you have been with us for a long time, and, and you're joining us in a new year, and, and you're jo- enjoying the episodes. Make sure that you're sharing them with your friends and, and uh, liking them. And if you haven't yet, uh, subscribe on whatever platform you listen to. Subscribe so you can stay up to date with everything that's going on, including the PS Plus, which is a fairly new show still where Van Sneed uh, is having conversations with you, the listener, about doctrinal topics straight out of God's Word, uh, short little 10-minute episodes, and uh, we want to invite you to to listen to those and and follow along with that as well. Now, we're excited today because I get to interview a friend of mine, Pastor Chris Best uh, of Midtown Baptist Temple. He is the pastor that oversees our children's ministry here, and he also teaches, uh, he's the professor of the children's and youth ministry uh, class here at the Living Faith Bible Institute. Pastor Chris Best, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being with me, man. Good to be here. Uh, first of all, how was class today? Today we talked about children's ministry and missions, okay. how those things are related. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really what I want to get in today. And, and hopefully we can get into some of the finer points um, and strategies of how to make that a reality. And so the, the first question I do want to ask, though, and it seems relevant, is how did you get into children's ministry? Like, where did that begin for you? So when we started uh, at Midtown, there weren't very many kids and, and, and youth in our children's ministry and, and the whole church plant group. Yeah. Out of the 17 that we did have, five of them were mine. <laughs> So we were recruited based on that qualification. Wow. You have like, almost a third. Hey, these are your kids. Come on. <laughs> you have to you are qualified to be part of the children's ministry, even though really we weren't otherwise. Mm-hmm. So we were just recruited to meet that need. And then it's kind of the same thing as most of us. There was a need and we were just willing. And then we we just found a spot in that ministry. How did the children's ministry developed in those first few years. What did that look like? For me personally, in my role, uh, I ended up being the director of children's ministry um, fairly early on, I felt like. Mm -hmm. I recognized my need to get training in that area. You know, I was being asked questions I couldn't answer about children's ministry. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I started Shepherd School of Ministry way back then. and, And then just started getting equipped to do the level of ministry that God was, you know, calling me to. And then the ministry itself just grew and grew and grew. And so in the early days, you know, we honestly, there was a lot of uncertainty and and you'll remember those days Mm -hmm. with a church plant, you know, before you're at church, you might be a church plant and there's a lot of uncertainty and we were in that situation where we had certainty regarding the mission. We knew what we were there to do. We were, we were there because God called us to make disciples. And that was communicated clearly. We didn't know much else. We knew we didn't have any money for the budget. We didn't know, you know if and when people were going to show up. Mm-hmm. We didn't 
have resources. We didn't even know in terms of a methodology what kind of group we were going to be, any of that stuff. Right. All we knew is that we were very dependent upon God answering our prayers. Mm -hmm. And we were very clear that we were there to make disciples. And, and lo and behold, that's what matters, mm -hmm. is that you realize you're dependent upon God. We were very dependent upon God. And you, you're just going to be mission-focused. And then everything else is just a strategic consideration on how do you set this thing up. Well, that's just – we just kept doing that. We we kept praying, and God kept providing. And, and the, the class would grow, and we'd need to divide it. We'd need more workers. And we'd just pray, and God would provide. And really, all we did was try to keep our head above water. Mm-hmm and just stay abreast with what God's doing. So it, it turned, you know, from a small group to a big group and from a few classrooms, we had, you know, we had three classrooms and then four and then five and then six. And we went from 17 kids to 30 kids to 50 kids yeah, to 75 yeah. kids. And now, you know, over a hundred kids, we grew and trained leaders. That's really important mm -hmm. to train leaders. And we did that from the beginning, just out of necessity. And now you know, I don't teach in Kidtown anymore. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not yeah. on the schedule. I just oversee it, and Gordon runs everything, and he's training leader. And so anyway, it's, it's turned into this kind of juggernaut ministry right. of its own. Right. The thing is, though, we can't ever forget. It's all about the mission. Right. We're here to make disciples, and that's why we have a children's ministry. And that kind of leads me to the next question is, um, you know, what is it about children's ministry that is um, – so crucial to the health and the well-being of a church long term like i know that that we've seen growth and that could be attributed to a lot of things and we've seen our children's ministry grow and and that could be attributed to a lot of things uh um but i do think that there is something very critical about the health of a church and, and the children's ministry sometimes is a reflection of the health of the church and sometimes it, a church is a reflection of whether or not there's a healthy children's ministry. It's a it's a more crucial part, I guess, than what we often make it out to be. And I wonder I want to know why. Yeah. Okay. So that's like a really long loaded <laughs> question. I know I said a lot. I'm sorry. Um, but here's the thing: children's ministry is, I believe, greatly misunderstood and greatly underappreciated. A church, you know, the, the church, and, and we're local church guys, so mm -hmm. the local church, that's the functional unit. That's what God has designed. That, that, that We're the ones, as the body of Christ, the local church, we are supposed to be the ones through whom God is going to fulfill his will. We're the ones who are supposed to be making disciples, and we're the ones who are supposed to be reproducing. And within a local church, you have kids. Okay, well, guess what those kids are supposed to be doing? They're supposed to be part of that body. Mm -hmm. So kids aren't like these little tiny adults who just haven't grown up enough yet to be useful. They're actually part of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. If we wait for a child to grow up to be 20 years old before we engage them in the mission. Or take them seriously. Or take them seriously, they will likely never engage in the mission. Mm -hmm. And the reason why, well, because we taught them. Okay, so we spent, you know, 18 years in the basement teaching them 
that God is real and sin separates us from God and hell is real and people go there. But that's okay if if you just stay down here and play games and, and do crafts. Right. Okay, so so in other it's words, like, it's almost like the the level of activity in most churches doesn't match the severity of what we want to see in Christian lives, right? And so we kind yeah. of like so we teach them that it's someone else's job. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so man, the plasticity of the brain and the worldview hardens somewhere in there between nine and 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And so, again, in around 22, 23. And again, yeah. exactly. By the time they're, they're old enough to be physically ready to reproduce, if you haven't taught them their identities in Christ mm-hmm. and the church has a mission and you're part of the church and you have a place, if you haven't taught them that, good luck trying to teach them that as an adult. So one area just from a church structure standpoint, is generational mm-hmm. discipleship. You're going to lose a whole generation if your children's ministry is yeah. not functioning to do this one thing, ready? Yeah. To, to make disciples. Mm-hmm. Okay, so instead of teaching our kids about the Great Commission, we need to teach our kids to, to do the Great Commission. Mm. So the, the third grade class, instead of just having a lesson on the Great Commission, we're going to have an event, which is this event that you're going to invite your friends to so they can hear the gospel. Right. So in other words, we're going to be the church. We're not going to go to church. Children's ministry and then youth ministry for the, for the junior high and high school, that's the structure that a local church will use so that our kids can fulfill the great commission at a developmentally sure. appropriate level cuz you don't don't put a 10-year-old on an airplane and send them off to somewhere by themselves right. that's no one's suggesting that but if that 10-year-old doesn't learn who they are in Christ and that they're here to make disciples and and well you, and th- that they can do that at some level even if it just means being kind to the kid that's a visitor that week or absolutely so you know, what you're saying reminds me of you know the church living faithly summit was in part planted because of the work of you know at the time uh, an eight year old little girl who was ministering to the kids at her school and then in turn the parents and the parents started showing up to Bible study in Lee Summit and it was really a work of of at least initially of a, a little girl and because yep. she was actively at the level that she had been taught yes pursuing disciple making evangelizing you know yeah. She just heard and believed all this talk about invite your friends. Mm-hmm. So there is a come and see method of evangelism, which all these kids can do, especially yeah. if we have the youth hangouts. Hey, yeah. listen, we're going to do this thing and it's going to be fun. Is the goal just to play games? No, the games are a draw to bring in the lost people sure. so they can hear the gospel. Kids can understand that. They can do that. They, they can literally find a place within God's mission if people understand that that's what children's and youth ministry is for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because without it, how, how's a kid going to – I mean, it's a lot harder sure. without having that sort of a structure for a kid to just, like, go make disciples, ready, go. Mm-hmm. How do yeah. I, you know. 
Well, and I think, you know, for most people, I think most people that are listening anyway, probably understand the value of having a children's ministry and they're hearing what you're saying and it's yeah. resonating with them. But then to do it, it becomes a whole nother thing, right? Like, especially if churches are really set in their way, um, you know, it might be difficult to make changes. And But I'd like for our conversation to kind of turn towards some of the more practical aspects yeah, yeah, of yeah. supporting the kind of ministry that you're talking about. Like, and I think that begins with the people that are called to invest. So so you've you've got a philosophy and you've got a mission in mind. Um, and now it's time to call people to come and be a part. What kind of people need to be a part of a children's ministry? I mean, I think sometimes, you know, uh, it's not it's probably not good enough that it just be anybody because children are very yeah. precious. And so... Yeah, I think, you know, so, you know, not creepy. So that that's, you know, that's creepy. what everybody thinks automatically. Well, not that guy, not the creepy guy. So <laughs> that's the first qualification. If you want to work in children's ministry, you can't be creepy. Yeah. Okay. Because okay, okay, you need to go work somewhere important. else. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there, you know, there is a calling. So, so I think that it's good to have people on the schedule who are just going to come and be helpers. Mm -hmm. And so they, they're a parent, they want to serve, but this isn't their main ministry and they just want to come and, and serve once a month in the that that's fine. You know, you, you may not have to definitely be called to children's ministry to be on the schedule on that way. Yeah. But if you're going to be a teacher and you're going to invest the word of God into the lives of children, you really kind of need to be called to that. And you need to be committed to that. And again, we're not, nobody's babysitting. Mm -hmm. Right. We're not watching movies because the kids are too loud and they don't have a place in the ministry. No, right. we're actually making disciples in children's ministry is fun and it's fruitful and you get to teach the word of God. And it, it is, it's a specialized thing. So mm -hmm. training is necessary. And, and so people need to be committed. So I think if you have someone who's not creepy, they're called and they're committed, then then that's a pretty good start in yeah. terms of of, uh, of joining the children's ministry. There is a particular skill set involved with children's ministry, and I learned this early on because, you know, I, I teach and, and I and I preach and I prepare lessons a lot. Seems like I do that a lot. So I would prepare my, you know, I'd have my introduction my three points, my illustrations, and my conclusion that's you know, with practical application. And and I would come in and, you know, I got these little fourth, fourth and fifth graders lined up and they're just sitting there and they're nodding and smiling mm -hmm. as I present my information. And then I conclude and, and, and they all smile and nod and then we go do snacks and crafts and whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and that worked great. And I thought I was a wonderful teacher until I asked them one day to give me some feedback before we, and, and none of them knew what anything I had said. Yeah. And I'm like, well, why are you smiling and nodding? They're like, we just want you to shut up so we can go get snacks and crafts. <laughs> are you done yet? And I thought back to myself when I was that age. And I was just, just thinking to myself, is this guy ever going to shut up so we can go play games and get, and, and mm -hmm. so, the skill set that I'm referring to is the ability to come alongside somebody where they're at. Mm -hmm. So it's not just engaging them and getting their attention. It is actually me being able to figure out their level of understanding. And it's really similar to what we would call discovery Bible method mm -hmm. to where the whole goal is to really end up with a discussion that I'm not just talking. Yeah. I'm 
figuring out where they're at and then coming along beside them. And then as led by the Holy Spirit, as we compare scripture to scripture, we end up with a, a, a list of verses, which is a trail that leads to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. And then that's that's it. If you can do that, if you can come alongside somebody in that way, that's what's necessary for children's ministry. Yeah, so they have to be someone who's naturally engaging and, and discerning enough to say, well, this kid needs this dynamic in the teaching relationship or this kid needs yes. this kid this needs this kind of attention so it's someone who's sensitive to those types of things and patient enough to have that conversation right. because sometimes it takes a minute mm-hmm. they want to tell stories about stuff and right. you, you got to be willing to do that uh what, what role does curriculum play because i know this is especially from our ilk of churches bible believing king james churches I think a lot of times we struggle with the commercial curriculum that's being produced by a lot of the big publishers and the stuff that's coming mm-hmm. out for children's ministry probably makes Zondervan and those places a oh, lot of money. Yeah. But uh, but when we see it, we either see it as probably too watered down or maybe if we do find something uh, that is you know of our liking in terms of the content, the the fun and the and the joy of the teaching, maybe there's some something that's missing there in terms of making it a fun experience. And so how, where do we land on terms, in terms of curriculum and what's it look like to develop your own curriculum, things like that? So in, let me just plug the class real quick. Um, Craig Warner from First Baptist Church in New Philly is going to be teaching the portion of this class that talks about curriculum, developing curriculum and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And I asked Craig to do that because that's this is one of his areas of focus mm-hmm. is working on and praying about and 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 developing a living faith fellowship curriculum to address these issues. Mm-hmm. He's a great person for that. Oh way. man. Yeah, if yeah. you don't know Craig, he'll that'll be a fun lecture. Yeah. And and yeah, it's going to be super, mm-hmm. and I'm excited. And, and the reason I asked him to do it is because he'll he'll do a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to 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 see what he brings with that. Personally, for me, where I'm at, I, I think a curriculum is necessary. Okay, so you know, and, and like, what is a curriculum anyway? Um, it's it's what we're going to teach. So it's an outline. It's it's a plan that we're going to teach with some materials that that provide the teacher with what the teacher needs. Mm -hmm. And and so one problem with curriculum is it does the teacher's job for them. If you get a curriculum that's too Too thorough, too thorough, too complete. And I don't know if you've ever sat through, you know, a a class where someone's reading someone else's notes, you know, every once in a while we'll we'll be asked to, to teach someone else's stuff. Man, I can't do it. It's yeah, just, like, yeah look, you've got to reformat go it find, and put it in find, your voice. Yeah, go find someone else to read this. I'm, I, I, I if, if I'm gonna, well, a curriculum can be like that. Mm-hmm. Here, read this. To, oh, that would just be so boring. So, the, uh, I believe a curriculum should provide a progression. So you know, the Bible's precept upon precept. The way that the Bible unfolds, it provides for us progressive learning and growth. And I, and I think that a curriculum should do that. It should give the teacher this week the ability to build on what the other teacher last yeah. week did. So it, right. so it allows continuity for the kids, even though the teacher changes. Mm-hmm. But it can't be so thorough and it can't be so packaged and prepared 
that the kid so, so so there is yeah there needs to be some liberty for the teacher to kind of improvise and to do what's necessary for the classroom rather than meeting the objective of well I got through everything in the lesson today check yes. check you know and that's one thing that's good we we use disciple land and it's not perfect but one good thing about it it's got so much in every lesson like it'd take you a month to teach through everything. So the teachers really do. They have what's there. It is progressive. Mm -hmm. But there's so much there. They can kind of pick and choose and they have to prepare. They have to pray. They have to look at it and make decisions. And, and yeah, so that's it, good. It's, it's, it is good. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in the same, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about all the ways in which we can effectively teach the kids. And that includes having a curriculum and, and having teachers that can teach it in a way that's they're liberated. And, mm -hmm. and uh, another thing that I think about, though, is the classroom environment, because early on you were describing what it was like when we first started down in the basement. You know, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about the, the, what the learning environment looked like back then. I mean, it was it was rough. Oh, yeah. Right. Like it, the a little bit dilapidated would be maybe the right word. It was rough. It grungy was, it was grungy it was grungy and we were we were kind of wall making little faux walls <laughs> and like trying to separate space for different age kids and 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 so we we had what we had yes. uh, but over time uh, the learning environments have changed and we've been able to build things out a little bit and i want you to maybe just talk a little bit about the significance of having a proper learning environment that's conducive uh for for the kids and, and their age appropriate place okay so I love Doug Otto. He is a dear brother of mine. And Doug, you know, he's got a big voice. Mm -hmm. So God there's forbid. A, one of the, there's a member at our church at Midtown Baptist Temple. That yeah. Name, Doug. Okay. But when Doug's talking, I can't hear myself talk because he's got that big voice. And so, you know, there'd be a partition right. between me and Doug. But you you're know, not teaching over. Doug. It's kind of over. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, just yeah. like, hey, listen, class, let's just listen to him because <laughs> I can't. So he's he's got that powerful. Yeah. Okay, you know, praise the Lord. Now we've got walls and and we can shut the door. And so what you're talking about to what I what I uh, sometimes will present is the magic moment. Mm -hmm. Okay, what is the magic moment? It doesn't have anything to do with magic or any, anything. But here's. Here's what I'm talking about. Your bladder's not too full. Your stomach's not too empty. The kids, they got all their wiggles out. Or if it's youth or adults, you've done the icebreaker. And everybody's just comfortable kind of where they are. The distractions and the weights of the world, we, we've kind of separated ourselves out and we're focused on, on the things of God, okay? We've got an open Bible, and, and and everybody's just ready. Mm -hmm. That's the magic moment. That's it is so hard to get to that place where that we've prayed, everybody's comfortable, and 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 we're just ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's like a what you're describing is like the sweet spot, and it probably is only like a five minute window <laughs> for in kids, a three it's hour short. block of time that you yes. have them. It's like getting everything you know to a place where you know it's manageable and you can hit them with the truth and they are ready to receive it and so environment probably has a lot to do with making sure that's a distraction free moment hey thank you so much for listening to the show we're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the living faith bible institute
Hi, my name is Andy Cardona and I gave my life to the Lord three years ago and I didn't know how to follow the Lord and I was, by the grace of God, plugged in at Midtown Baptist Temple and started doing discipleship and, and for the first time I learned how I can have a, a relationship with God and, and, and the importance of knowing His Word and every time I would read it, I just wanted to know it more and more. Each class that I take is not something that I will never ever use. It's something that I, as soon as I, let, I leave the room or I leave the video chat, I'm able to actually put into practice. It's so much fun to learn the, the Word of God. Uh, and I'm so grateful that LFBI was able to provide that environment for me, that culture of, of loving the Word of God and learning the Word of God, but doing and applying the Word of God so we are able to have an answer for the lost people. we've got a helper who's maintaining the environment and the teacher can teach and, and and maybe there's a kid who needs to go sit in a safety chair or whatever i mean mm -hmm. yeah the environment is huge clean and safe ready is one way we talk about it exactly yeah, yeah. so here's an, here's another question i think is i think i feel like is really important because these kids that we get every week at our church they're with their parents throughout the week and they're being taught and raised by you know not by us you know ultimately we're not the most responsible for the for the outcome of that kid's development, their parents are. And so what are some ways in which our children's ministry and maybe our church as a whole helps uh, invest into parents' lives and help helps make parents better teachers, instructors, and models of God's word? Yeah, excellent question. The, the I see this as a partnership, okay? So, we'll hear periodically, you know, people that are against children's ministry. Really? Oh, yeah. And, and there's a couple reasons for this. One is that they feel like it doesn't honor a family, you know, like, like it's the family's yeah, the family job. dynamic that's is the, important. It's the parents' job to teach their kids the Bible, mm -hmm. not 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 the children's pastor. Yeah. Well, man, I agree with that 100%. Mm -hmm. Okay. The other reason they despise, you know, a children's ministry is because of the result of children and youth ministry over the last few decades in America. Mm -hmm. So 75% of our kids leave the church after high school. They may or may not come back. Well, then why would I send my my kid to a, a junior high or high school ministry if it's just gonna result in them going off to college and never coming back to the church. Yeah. So the failure of flawed uh, you know, children and youth ministries who don't know why they're on the planet, and right. they didn't tell their kids why they're on the planet. Sure. So the kids grew up without a culture of, of like, like we talked about. So, so yeah, there's a lot of people yeah. that have, so I feel like, man, what you're describing too, those are like really false arguments because at the end of the day, um, if it is a partnership, well, we play a supporting role, right? Like we, yeah. su we support the parents. And so it's kind of, uh, unfair to put the onus of a kid walking away from their faith on um, that guy who meets with them for an hour and a half each week or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So the, so those are arguments that are against children's mm -hmm. and, and youth ministry. Okay. So what is the partnership? How, how do yeah, I see this that. as a partnership? Here's, here's how I see this. It is a parent's job to train up their children in the way they should go. We mm. believe that if they do that when they're old, they will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. Mm -hmm. 
I, I don't want to try to relieve a parent from their responsibility to do what God told them to do. Right. Okay. So you're going to teach your kids the Bible. What are you going to do when you get to Ephesians chapter four and it says that your child should be within the structure of the church, compacted and fitly joined? And then you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse six, and you see that your child is gifted to profit and to work as part of the body. In fact, mm -hmm. in the end of that chapter in, 20, in verse 27, that they are the body of Christ and members in particular. So in other words, okay, here's, here's how I present it. Parents are to teach their kids the Bible. The church is to take those kids and turn them into disciples of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Those kids are gifted to be part of a local church according to the Word of God. So they have to fit into the structure of the local church. Again, the children's ministry and the youth ministries are in place to be the structure that those kids can plug into in order to actively, currently yeah. fulfill the Great Commission in a way they can't do that without the church. Right. So the partnership is families teaching their kids the Bible, which includes being a part of your local church. Children and youth ministry provide that place in the local mm -hmm. church. So part of what we're doing is teaching them the Bible. And then we're teaching them to live it out within the structure. Yeah. If they can get that, oh, yeah. we win. Okay, that's the partnership. And so how many parents know that? Yeah. Like two? I mean, right. I don't know, you know. Right. No, I like, okay, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor, yeah. right? Um, I've spent most of my life now learning how to take God's word apply it to my life and then also teach it to other people. Mm -hmm. I have three kids and I teach them the Bible. We read God's word together. Uh, we talk about God's word. But if, I, if I'm honest, um, the, the thing that is amazing is how that little bit of time my kids get in Kid Town, which is what we call our children's ministry here. I don't know if we mentioned that. Yeah. Well, my kids get in Kid Town, because it's coming from a voice that they love and respect that's outside of the home, it, it, it makes God's word sting in a way that it is unfamiliar. And um, and it does so much to help me. It's almost like I can say 20 things, but one thing from Edabon or from, you know, from DD or whoever it is that's teaching our kids, they could say the same thing, just one particular way in that one moment, in that magic moment. Yeah. And it just brings everything else to life. And I can see my kids learning and I do feel like it's a support. Like it's a help. It makes it real. Because you're dad. So mm -hmm. you say things like clean your room and brush your teeth and go to bed and make your bed. And, and love Jesus. Get too. in the car. Oh, <laughs> and love Jesus. Right. Yeah, and yeah, read yeah. your Bible. And so <laughs> sure. coming from you, that's the most important voice mm -hmm. that, that's telling them. But you're telling them a lot of things. Yeah. When someone else comes along, just like you said, and be like, hey, by the way, you know, thus saith the Lord, and, and it's in that magic. Yeah, it, it, absolutely, it, it verifies those things. I know mm -hmm. my kids, Andrew, one of my sons, he used to just go get coffee with leaders in the church. Mm -hmm. Never asked him what he talked about with those leaders. I just wanted those other voice. I didn't want to ruin it by <clears throat> what dad says. And then right. now it's the dad. No, just I, I love the other voices speaking truth into their lives. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. That's, that's important. As we, as we close this episode, there's so much to say about children's and youth, youth ministry, by the way. And so, you know, if you're gleaning anything from this at all, and it's encouraging, we highly recommend signing up 
for the class next time it comes around. But um, but I want to end maybe with just you talking about some of the, uh, for lack of a better term, success stories that we've seen in ministry, um, where the philosophy that you're talking about and um, the strategies that you've discussed uh, have come to full fruition. And we've seen the manifest in men and women who are glorifying the Lord and even mission-minded and, and, and living out their faith in a leadership way. Um, maybe you can describe or give us an example of that. Yeah, so let me describe the maybe the culture that results in success because that's what we all want. Mm-hmm. In the early days at Midtown, it was just out of necessity. Yeah, We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have our act together. We weren't yeah. slick. We weren't polished. All we knew is that God sent us here to make disciples, and it's hard, but this is something worth laying our lives down for. Sure. So go grab a vacuum, and we'll figure all that other stuff out later. Mm-hmm. And all that other stuff sometimes just gets in the way. But our 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 kids knew we're there to make disciples. Yeah. And we went somewhere kind of uncomfortable and kind of hard to do it. Man, praise God, because what happened is that they started maybe in, I don't know, just say a kid starts in third grade. Well, you know what? Next year, they're going to go to fourth and fifth grade. So they change classrooms. And I don't know if you remember being a kid, but that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Going to a new classroom is kind of a big deal. Sure. You know what didn't change? It, we're, we're just here to make disciples. Mm-hmm. We don't have everything figured out, but we have a clear mission from God. And this is what we're all here for. And everyone has a place. And, and we're not here just to learn about the Great Commission. We are actually doing the Great Commission. Yeah. And here's how. You did it like this last year in third grade. In fourth and fifth grade, we're going to take this trip and and we're going to invite people and we're going to do evangelism we need some of you to join the kid town praise band because god needs to be worshiped and we need to lead okay so so then you you graduate from fifth grade and and you go into the junior oh that's a big deal to go to junior high your physical situation your your classroom changes you know what doesn't change the mission, mm-hmm. what we're here. Okay, so by the time a kid graduates from high school, they've already changed sort of physical environments or classrooms several times. They've made several transitions, but it's all been under the same umbrella yeah. that we're here to make disciples, and I have a place in this, and God wants me to use this. And why would I waste my life doing anything else when God's called me to be part? Okay, mm-hmm. so then here comes college. We had a kid, and I, I use her as an example, and, and she could have gone anywhere. You know, 4.0, scored a million on her ACT, super mm-hmm. smart, all that kind of stuff. Could have gone anywhere. She told her, you know, high school counselor, I'll go anywhere. Yeah, sounds good, as long as it's within 10 blocks of 40th and Walnut. Right. I'm on the praise team at church. I have a ministry. I can't leave that to go get an education somewhere. I can learn algebra at UMKC as well as I can at Harvard. I mean, what? what right. What, it's, okay. So you can't leave the place that God has you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it, you don't know that God has you there if someone hasn't told you that all along the way. And if you haven't grown and made transition and seen God answer those prayers and seen people come to, like they get to be a part of that. And without that great commission culture, Mm -hmm. what we will teach our kids, and it's not by what we say, it's by what we don't say, 
we will teach them that God is real and the Bible's true and that hell is real and people are going there, but that's someone else's problem. Mm. Because that we, we told them we're teaching them the Bible, but we never told them it's their responsibility. The, the, yeah. the, the church, and they are the church. And so, so anyway, yeah. it, it really is, it, it's, you can't separate out children's ministry or really any other ministry. We could have this conversation about other ministries too, but, but it's most important because a worldview does get fixed and it gets kind of hard to change it later. Yeah, yeah. But so, so, anyway. so at the end of the day, you know, what you're describing is young people who come to a place where they have liberty, they could, they could move, they could leave, they could get a job somewhere. And, and they feel so, um, um, not obligated to the church, but so obligated to the mission that they can't imagine themselves being discipled or investing maybe anywhere else. Not that people can't be called to another place, but, but we've done a good job. I think that if, if, um, someone turns 18 and and uh, they're saying to themselves, man, I, I, I need to learn how to do the thing that I've been taught my whole life um, with the grownups now, right here in my city. It, I, I saw it I saw it when yeah. I was in second grade and I saw it when I was 11, I saw it when I was 15 and, and now I see I'm a grown adult and I could do this at my college campus. And yeah. that's a pretty powerful the, thing. It's just another physical transition from just, so you went from third grade to fourth and fifth grade, and then mm -hmm. you went to sixth grade, and then you mm -hmm. went to high school, and now you're just going to college. But the thing that hasn't changed mm -hmm. is that God wants to use you to make disciples as a part right. of the local church. Now, if God wants to send someone somewhere, man, that's cool. But that would be clear mm -hmm. that that's what God is doing, and and, and it's a strategic, it's it's just strategic another for the mission. strategic yeah. mission right. objective. The, right. the, so I think that's the key. And so we have had kids who get it, mm -hmm. that they were raised, and, and, and that you have to have the Christian home. It's not enough to have a church yeah. structure that provides for and facilitates these kids living out the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. You have to have parents who are, you know, the bent of their, they're not gonna do everything right. No, mm -hmm. None of us do. But what's the bent of your life? And if, if right. there's hypocrisy at home and fake, you know, sure. it undermines everything. Then, then yeah. the kid, but if you have both, if you have a home where the bent is, we're going to serve God with our lives. Mm -hmm. God wants to, I mean, we're saved yeah. and God wants to use us and let's go. And then you have a church structure which facilitates that. That's where you're going to get generational discipleship. You know what? I'm so excited to just keep getting old at Midtown. Baptist temple and just watch this next generation just take over and just take everything next level. Yeah. I can't wait to see that. Mm -hmm. There's that song, you know, I see a generation rising up. You ought to, can you just hum that? Like you can. No, I'm not doing that. Okay. Me neither. Okay. No. But I know, I know the song you're talking about. Man, it gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Cause I do see that. Mm -hmm. I see that in our children's ministry. I see that in our youth and I see that in Kaya and it's just so exciting. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, we're going to lose a generation if we fail to keep these yeah. kids have a great commission culture. That's really good. Well, Chris, thank you for being with us and and inspiring us um, to think about these things. It's uh, it is very very important, and, and every one of our churches needs to be considering how to better invest in our kids. Take take the class.
Yeah, take the class. Yeah. And so we want to uh, thank you. And we do want you to consider visiting lfbi.org and, and looking at all of our classes, all of the classes that would uh, teach you and, uh, and help you to understand what it means to be a better minister, a leader in your local church. And so you can visit lfbi.org to see all of our offerings, including children's and young adult ministry. Uh, we want to also invite you again, please uh, like the show, share it out, uh, give it to friends. Maybe you have some friends that need to hear about children's ministry and you can share this episode with them. But we want to invite you to do that and support us in that way. But we would ask that God would bless you and we pray that you've been edified by another episode of The Postscript. We'll see you next week. Bye.